Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This highly practical podcast series explores HR and management hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Brought to you by Actors Software, our aim is to build a better workplace for people. The HR Uprising is about collaborating and supporting each other to build the confidence and skills to rise up to each challenge and deliver real, lasting business value. You can find out more at hruprising.com or join our LinkedIn community. Now introducing your host, chartered psychologist, best-selling author, entrepreneur and speaker, Lucinda Carney. Hi there, it's Lucinda. I'm just jumping on briefly before this week's episode to say a huge thank you to everybody who has um, shared this new series with colleagues and friends and also who've been in contact or given us ratings. Um, Really, really appreciate those because it it makes it motivational. There's lots of work that goes into providing extra mini series like this. So I'm so grateful to you for letting us know you're finding it useful. To that point, if you want further resources, there is an ebook which goes through all of the things that we're, in fact, I'm based this series on the ebook, which you can download for free either from the Actus website, so actus.co.uk, or as ever, all of the links are on our HR Uprising website, which is hruprising.com. And then you simply go to the um, the area where that podcast episode is, and we've got a whole page for the management series. And on that page, you'll find links to all sorts of things that are useful, other podcasts, I mean, you can find the back catalogue, you can download the ebook. So if you want more resources that you can access really easily, do go there. And on top of that, just to mention that in response to various requests we've had from people that we've been working with, a number of people said that actually there is a deficit of training. If you've seen my LinkedIn articles recently, um, you know, this is great having free resources. But if you have um, managers who really would like a little bit of support in terms of skills training, uh, as in just-in-time skills training around virtual management, then I'm also going to be running a four-module programme starting in November on virtual management skills. So again, you can take a look at that. We've got early bird pricing on at the moment, although I have to say that spaces are going pretty quickly, but we'll run it again if it's really popular. So if you want some practical training or you just want some reading resources, check out the website easiest for me just to say go to hruprising.com and then you can navigate around there and explore all the links okay thanks so much i hope you enjoyed this week's episode hello and welcome to this week's special edition of the hr uprising podcast and if you've listened in before you'll know that we are running a special series aimed at people managers so this is the third episode in our perform people management series all about how we can be high performance managers in an increasingly virtual world. So hopefully you remember what the PERFORM acronym stands for, people first, which we've spoken about, expectations, which is the subject of today's podcast. And then we'll go on to regular reviews, how to give good quality feedback and development, ownership, recognition, and managing performance issues. So straight on to this week's episode, which is all about how to set and manage clear expectations. We talked last week about putting people first, about the importance of understanding them as individuals and building trust, because this builds a really powerful foundation for performance. Now, the key is often we find that people, we see people maybe as not delivering 
um, delivering the performance we want them to deliver. But all too often, and I'll talk about that in our final episode, it's down to the fact that we were not clear about the expectations or we did not have a shared understanding of what good performance looks like. So the purpose really is to start as we mean to go on, give people the perfect platform for performance and ensuring that both ourselves and the people that we manage share the same vision for what good or great performance looks like. So, of course, we don't want people to enter form. Of course, we don't. We want to have high performance organisations. And also having built all that trust, the last thing we want to do is to have to undermine it. If someone has put their heart and soul into um, working towards something, but it's actually the wrong thing, they're going in the wrong direction because there was a misunderstanding or we hadn't put that clarity in place. Now, this topic, of course, we're going to touch on objectives, goals, um, and you might feel that you know all about this. Oh, what objectives? It's so old hat. But the reality is that behavioural psychology demonstrates time and time again that clear goals or objectives that are supported, most importantly supported by regular quality feedback, underpinned by a relationship of trust, leads to high performance. And of course, we want to have high performance. We've got an environment where people want to perform, businesses need to perform, uh, but it's more virtual, so it's harder to see people. Therefore, we have to be really clear about expectations and maybe we have to tweak those expectations a little bit to be appropriate in this increasingly virtual or this hybrid virtual world. So my view is that goals and objectives are still vitally important um, and it can be goals, objectives. It doesn't matter if you use the term OKRs, um, which is objectives, key results or KPIs. All of these are tools to provide clarity and to make performance measurable. But one of the things that I believe became very apparent over lockdown, it may have relaxed slightly, but the age of once or annual objectives really has passed. I mean, to be honest, it had anyway. You always needed to break them down into milestones or deliverables. I use the adage of if you're going on a diet, you don't get on the scales at the start of the year and say, actually, in 12 months time, I'm going to be a stone lighter because how are you going to know your progress? So you always need to break any kind of goal down into um, specific milestones and deliverables along the way. But I think with the virtual working environment, um, Part of it's because people are out of sight, but also I think because of the way in which the world is moving so rapidly, we do need to condense that time scale and uh, be prepared to have conversations around performance taking place weekly and monthly. It might be we reset priorities, something that was important last month, a new opportunity has arisen, which may mean that we need to um, swerve and, and develop a new product marketing or a new piece of PR or upskill ourselves in a certain way. It's an agile world um, and workplace out there. However, that doesn't mean we should be I suppose, going in the wrong direction. We don't want to be running in circles. So we always need to have that overall goal and expectation. And just to keep reassessing what are this week's priorities or this month's priorities. Now, I would expect those would link into overall objectives. But the key about expectations is having that regular collaborative dialogue with our people that we work with to make sure we're all on the same page about what's important. So you might say, does that mean that SMART objectives are no longer relevant? I can forget about that acronym. Well, unfortunately, I would say definitely not. Although it is easy, as is always the case, to get confused by jargon. As I say, you might 
using your organization smart objectives, you might use goals, you might use targets, KPIs, OKRs. Um, essentially, they're all still used for the same purpose. And it's about defining and measuring performance expectations in the workplace. And if we don't have these in place and we don't keep these relevant and updated, we run the risk of people underperforming, being demotivated or putting lots of energy in the wrong direction. So clarity of expectation, whichever jargon we choose to use to define it, should underpin our performance management process. Research around objectives consistently shows that stretching but achievable goals motivate people to deliver their best, particularly with feedback, as I said earlier. So it's not about making something really easy. So the S in SMART, many people would say is specific, and I would agree, yes, it does stand for specific, but it also sounds to be stretching. And we are in rapidly changing times. So stretching might be about pace. It might be about what we deliver. It might be about the way in which we deliver. It's something where we might be growing um, as a team or as an individual in order to achieve something. We might have to teach ourselves something new in order to deliver it. Um, And I think this is an interesting one because, again, talking about expectations and whether they're stretching or otherwise, and I'll talk later about, about that, One of the realities is, although most of us have come across this acronym SMART, the reality is not everybody knows how to write a SMART objective. And this was validated. We've been running lots of webinars over the summer. I had one of the webinars where I was asking, I had 110 HR professional, people professionals respond to it. And we asked them what skills their organisations needed to improve on the most to make sustained remote working successful. And 30% of them said clearer objectives and milestones. And another 30% said structured and more regular follow-up. So that's 60% of them are already saying you need milestones and objectives and follow-up, which makes sense. And so that meant there was gaps in terms of skills there. So even if you feel like you know it, does no, is knowing it the same as doing it really well? And then the other um, high priority that people came up with was 23% chose better communication and cascade of strategic priorities. And of course, that also ties into objective setting. And I'll go into that in a moment. So the upshot is smart or smarter. Some people talk about smart objectives are still really relevant. But what we do need to do is tweak it to reflect this virtual working environment. Now, you can go back. I have got a How to Set Smart Objectives podcast, which probably was back in 2019. So if you go to hruprising.com, You'll find information on that. And I've also got videos on this. But for the benefit of people who are on now, I will just run through what we mean by the acronym and a little bit of explanation about it as well. So SMART objectives, the S, as I said earlier, is typically specific, but it's also stretching. Now, specific, why is specific so important? Well, specific is so important because it's about clarity and both parties knowing exactly what it is. I mean, the principle of an objective is that it shouldn't matter if the person who agreed it in the first place, the line manager, moves on to a different role and someone else comes in to evaluate performance because it should be specific enough that someone else who didn't write that objective would be able to see whether it had been met. The M is for measurable, having a measure. A, we have achievable, which most people think so. So stretching, but achievable. And this will tie into... Later on, when we talk about empowerment as part of our perform, having an ownership culture and empowerment in our perform model, because you can't, you can't really dictate 
an objective or a goal to somebody and expect them to definitely feel it's stretching and achievable without having a conversation with them. And that's actually about a coaching conversation. It's one of the best ways of doing it. And that will be a topic for a future episode. But the point of this is that you, in order to achieve something that is achievable and stretching, and the key is it needs to be in the eyes of the person who has been set the objective, we have a second A. And I say it needs to be agreed. And agreed means both of us um, agree and have clarity that that specific objective is achievable, but it's got enough stretch on it. Now, R is an interesting one because normally I'll ask you out and have a, have a think. What do you think R stands for in the SMART acronym? So some of you will have thought realistic. And of course, I've heard lots of people say realistic. However, I'm not going to let us use realistic because realistic in my head is the same as achievable. And one really key aspect of motivation around goal setting theory is feeling that what you're doing aligns with something bigger. It has a sense of purpose. Sometimes we think about that golden thread. So R here means relevant. Is that goal or objective relevant to the bigger picture, the overall business goals? And can that individual see that link? And that should be part of the conversation when you're setting it. it might be agreeing where we need to go as a business and what does that, how does that fit to goals and targets in your job role? And then finally, the T is for times, because how can we evaluate whether we've achieved something if we don't have a deadline for when it needs to be done by? So just running through these, and I'll give you a few um, examples here and there. Being specific, as I said earlier, it's all about clarity. We want both parties to understand exactly what's required. If we have an objective that's general rather than specific, it's really hard to measure it. Um, and, and we have to then put sort of subjective value judgments on it. The risk with that is that we may have a discrepancy in our view. Somebody thinks they've done their best, but they haven't done what was expected and everyone has disappointment. And we really want to avoid disappointment. We should want to do that anyway. But in a virtual working environment, I think it's even more important that people feel that they're doing the right thing. They're putting their energy in the right place. They're, they can uh, be highly productive, which means highly focused uh, in terms of maintaining their outputs in the right direction without getting distracted by things that are um, general or non-specific. And also, if someone feels a bit demotivated because they spent lots of time and energy doing the wrong thing, then somehow it's harder because we can't see them to pick them up again. So we want to avoid that at all counts, particularly in this virtual world. So let me give you an example of a general versus specific. So a general um, objective or goal might be to define and manage the marketing plan for a product launch. So go on, how many of you have got something in your objectives like that? Define and manage the marketing plan for a product launch. So, you know, it's fine. It's, uh, you know, it, I'm, I, I've got some clarity. I understand what needs to be done. But from a smart point of view, it's lacking some specificity. Um, there's no measure. I don't actually know if it's achievable. I'm assuming it is. I don't know exactly what's involved in this marketing plan. There's no deadlines. There's lots and lots of ways in which we could approve it. So perhaps a more specific example would be to go into more detail. So I'm not saying this is a perfect smart objective. What I'm saying is this is a more specific smart objective. So specifically, we're saying define and manage a marketing plan for a product launch that includes new website pages for each product module. It includes training collateral and flyers for sales and branded customer data sheets. We also want you to support this with a social media marketing campaign on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram four weeks prior to launch. 
So to make it a smart objective, you'd have deadlines in there. Um, probably, I think you could have some, maybe you'd put some more measures in there, although you could argue the specificity um, is in the different items that need to be delivered. You could then break this down into having milestones with specific deliverables week by week, and that would work really quite well. So let's say we've got six weeks to do this marketing plan, then I might know I've got to do the training collateral by the end of next week, data sheets by the end of the week after, plan the social media marketing campaign, have that diarised by the week after that. So it's giving people things that can be chunked down into specifics that they can get on with, but we know that it's um, building up to something bigger. So the key is on all of these, as I alluded to then, is providing timescales for each of these um, so that we can chunk it down. And I guess it just helps people have that sense of control. So by being as specific as possible with our remote workers, we are probably talking in a little bit more detail than we might have done previously. And it, as I said earlier, it's not about dictating it, but it is about shared clarity. That gives the individual a greater sense of control, progress, sense of satisfaction and achievement. And it's going to be easier for them to prioritise conflicting demands because sometimes those will come in from different angles. And again, because we're not necessarily seeing people or sitting next to people in the workplace, we need to allow people to make their own decisions about where their priorities lie. And having that clarity about what deliverables they need to come up with will really help them to do that. Now, one of the things about using the SMART acronym, uh, it's actually really hard to work through. It's going S-M-A-R-T. And I believe that, or my thinking is, that it might be easier if you're working with remote workers to actually work on it R-S-T-M-A. And what I'm saying by that is, first thing, first point of thinking is, what is most relevant for me to focus on right now? So thinking about what the business drivers are strategically, but also the tactical, the in-the-moment drivers. Um, you know, if you're writing content and there's suddenly a, a major opportunity has just arisen uh, that you could swerve to make your content more relevant, then maybe you need to do that in order to capture that moment or a great new sales deals come in, but you need to tweak your content to be able to reflect that need. Then that becomes a priority, which supports the business need. So it's what's relevant as in strategically aligned and business relevant. It also provides us with inspiration and direction. And uh, because we've got that specificity, if you like, and the time frame, we've also got the clarity about what needs to be achieved. So I'm saying we may want to start with start with R, but start with what's most most needed to be um, focused on. Then go about what's what specifically does that look like. Then come up with a time frame. Might work out how we're going to measure it in terms of our milestones, um, and then finally just double check that it is achievable. That we're not trying to bite off more than we can chew, and we've not forgotten something else that is also equally important and urgent that needs to be done at the same time. Because what we want is remote workers to feel empowered to make decisions about how they use their discretionary effort. And if they can do that, then they are going to give of their best and they're going to feel satisfied as well that they're achieving. And so are you because they're meeting expectations. So as I said earlier, agreement is all about empowerment and we will talk about that more. My view is when we are working with remote workers, empowerment is a little different compared to in the office. It's key that when someone is managing their own time and their working environment, we need to allow them to have input into or better still take the lead in suggesting and agreeing their own priorities on our objectives. It may even be we give them the freedom to work at the times that suits them best. We're talking about outputs. 
Usually, does it matter when someone does it? I appreciate if you have got people who have got to um, you know, respond to customer inquiries within a certain time frame, you do need them to be fully available at certain times. But Stephen Covey also used to say there was something about if you, um, you shouldn't supervise people's means if you want to hold them accountable, basically. So if you agree an output with somebody, then we need to then step back and give them the space to deliver it, to achieve it. And that might mean that they want to work very early in the morning, in the middle of the night, late at night. Um, as long as they get that output delivered in a positive way, then that's all that matters. So we empower them to decide when and how they're going to achieve it. What matters is the fact that the objective is achieved. Being measurable, it's not always possible. I'm, so I mean, SMART isn't perfect, but it is desirable uh, to have some sort of measure because it adds to the, the way in which we, we can find an objective, we can see it to be specific um, and it also can give us the extent to which something has been achieved. So if you have a measure in, then you can potentially see if someone has overachieved, uh, you know, if they really ramp something up. If, if you've got, say, a 20% and they, someone achieves 22% or 18% and you've got a relativity and it allows us to quantify the extent of an achievement. So an example here might be to manage a virtual project management team to implement lean improvements that reduce average engine service times. And I've got in brackets, what you need is context here. So currently 120 minutes by 20% by XYZ date. Um, so it is important if you have got a metric to make sure that both sides agree what the baseline is. That's why I've put it in there there. So if your business, for example, wants to use performance ratings and is going to evaluate um, performance using performance ratings, that's another reason why it's very important to have a measure in place of the acronym. It makes it more useful because you can quantify the degree to which somebody has over or underperformed and also document that understanding, which means it's easier to give feedback and it's easier for both parties to understand where they stand before you have a meeting. It means there's much less room for disappointment. So we've now got our small smart objective and with a few minor enhancements for a virtual world. And some people may have come across this one where uh, they've heard of the acronym being called the SMARTER acronym. I mean, again, these are all just plays on words. The important thing is the discussion and the clarity of expectations. But what this is talking about here is E stands for engaging and the R stands for reviewable. And actually, I think both of those are really, really relevant in a virtual world. If we want to break our objectives up into key milestones, um, then that makes it more reviewable. And as we were saying earlier, it's key for us to talk more frequently when we're remote. So if you've got a milestone, you can check whether we're on track or not. And we have these little weekly check-ins and both parties know where they stand. Engaging means it's something that the individual finds of interest. Now, I get it that we can't make everything massively interesting, but you know, hoping that that individual at least feels a level of engagement with achieving that objective, they're up for it. That kind of means it's the, they're in the right job, actually, to a large extent. And it's something that they can see the value of it. And actually, they're, they're up for the challenge or they want to do it or they see it's something that needs to be done and fits within their job role. So one of the best ways of being engaging, I guess, is making the time to talk to somebody and offer support. And next week, we'll talk about that in terms of how we can review progress, offer support. It's really about our management behaviour and understanding what makes someone tick. I'm remembering last week we talked about understanding people as individuals. So if you've got somebody and you know they hate 
um, doing the reporting, but it does fit within their job, but they quite like creating infographics, then you balance it out with make sure they don't have to do reporting day in, day out. It's an important part of their job. It's one of the deliverables, but we can make sure there are other engaging aspects to their role as well. Finally, in terms of points I make here is we want to make sure that um, remote workers' objectives or expectations are within their control. This is one of the things that I used to see you know, in organisations. They would cascade down a very big organisational objective. And by the time it got down to the individual, it was a little bit too big for them to do anything other than influence a tiny corner of it. And that meant it was kind of at the wrong level for that person's role. Now, of course, if we are empowering people to draft their own objectives, there is less risk of having such a disconnect. Um, And so the key here is if you found out that you've got an objective that you're agreeing with somebody or a target and it's too high level, it's too big for them to control it. What we need to do is we need to ask ourselves or talk to the person. Okay, so how would we make that relevant for your role or how would we achieve that? Or what target would we agree in your role that would help us achieve this as a business. So if we ask questions like that, when we're helping people to agree their objectives, we're going to get something that's within that person's control that they can influence. Now, the flip side is sometimes you might have something that's a bit too low level, that's very much uh, minutiae, it's a day job. Um, Sometimes KPIs can be a bit like that, but they should all build up to achieving something. So things like call rates, um, they should be building up to achieving a number their metrics that drive an overall number if they're done to the right quality. But you might say, why am I doing this? That's sometimes going, making sure the person has got an objective that is meaningful. So if we look at it and they go, but what? this isn't really meaningful, we need to chunk it up and say why and see that connection with the, the broader business. So here's a few examples here. Um, if you wanted to, I'll put some links to these, by the way, in the show notes. And of course, you can download the virtual book, the virtual performance management book, which is where I'm taking these chapters from. So if you want, prefer to read this, that's available by going to www.actus.co.uk and you can download the free ebook. So if I wanted to um, chunk something up, we might ask why. So we might go, um, I've been asked to grow market share in product X by 7% in the EU by the end of financial year 2020. Another one I might chunk up, so why do I need to do that? Well, because I need to gain 250,000 sales from new customers by the end of quarter three. Now we can chunk that down by going, what might I do to do that? So achieve that kind of thing, what what might I do specifically? I might hold three face-to-face meetings per month with the potential customers. Um, chunk down again. How would I do that? I might want to double the rate of prospecting calls to new customers. And I could also say, how else would I do that? I might want to research 50 users of our technologies through Europe and approach those as prospects. So you're kind of going from bottom up to the top there or top to bottom the way I read it. All of those are related, those objectives. Um, One person might have two or three of them. But actually, to grow market share in product X by 7% within the EU, that probably isn't in one person's control. It's very about the sales team. It might sit within the sales team's objective. So it's looking at what would we do in order to do that and um, have those deliverables that are relevant for that person um, and to, to do. So other tips here. I say 
Just be careful when you're setting objectives with people. Make sure that we don't motivate the wrong behaviours. I alluded to that a moment ago, which is we say that sometimes you have to do things which feel like micromanagement and it's just not going to work virtually. It didn't really work in the workplace, which might be things like working, measuring hours worked or numbers of sales calls made, as opposed to what we really want to do is numbers of meaningful sales conversations. Because the only reason we're measuring sale, numbers of sales calls is that in theory, a certain number of sales calls should generate sales, but only if they're high quality and you're getting through to the sales. Per- if, you're, if you're not actually, if no one's answering, um, then that's not going to be getting any sales, is it? It's actually meaningful sales conversations is going to have a correlation with, with conversion rates. So you have to empower people there. I would say it's, it's almost moving us away from a KPI driven world in many ways because Lots of KPIs are quite micromanagement. They are just indicators. Ultimately, we need to make sure that individual is going to be accountable for the deliverable, which is actually that sales number or whatever that output might be. It might be the marketing plan or the virtual event um, or the new support process. So trust is essential. Remember that um, one of our other po- one of our other surveys showed that eighty um, percent of people surveyed again over 100 people responded on this they felt that high trust environments when working virtually um, was much more likely to increase productivity only three percent of people felt that if you had high trust that they would actually do less as in they would take the mic the other thing to be careful with objectives is try to avoid meaningless overly general terminology for example represent the business at trade shows update knowledge on review the succession plan. They're all very passive. You can hear that. Support a new employee to the business acting as a buddy. So those are just a bit too general, not particularly meaningless. They're not specific. And often you do see when we do reviews of objectives and we we help um, businesses audit the quality of their objectives, you'd be amazed by how many of those that you really do see in people's objectives. How can you be clear and measure if someone's reviewed the succession plan? The key is, why are we doing it? You're measuring there the process rather than the output. By asking someone to review the succession plan, presumably what you want to do is identify if there are any gaps in succession for key roles and fill them. That's what you want to do. You want to minimise risk for the business. That's the purpose. So we need to be measuring that as opposed to the passive action or process. So we know that agreeing clear expectations through quality goals and objectives, it's about giving and motivating high performance. We also know that um, it's a skill that people managers need to develop and they needed to develop it in the workplace and even more so when working virtually. So it's worth reflecting on the quality of the objectives you've got yourself and the quality of the objectives that you've set and agreed with your people. Have you agreed them? Are they specific? Are they meaningful? Are they smart? We can empower people to do much more with their discretionary efforts if we make sure they've got really clear expectations and we review them regularly and those expectations probably need to be chunked down that you can review them at least monthly um, with little deliverables, possibly even weekly. So that's the key for me, I think, in a virtual working environment, all about expectations. In summary, clear expectations are the linchpin. They're absolutely vital for successful virtual people management. If we have more emphasis on agreement and goals, we're going to be much more empowering. And empowerment is what you want in a virtual world. We need to think about our goals being shorter term and reviewing them more frequently when we're working remotely. And SMART, I'm afraid to say, it's still got a place. It's not the be all and end all, but it's still got a place. And so when you understand 
how it breaks down, what the value of the different elements offer is where you can see that it has got a place. But you don't have to start with S. It can be what's relevant and take it from there. So I hope that was of use to you. That was our third in our episode of um, people management uh, and people management, uh, virtual people management um, modules. Um, there'll be another one next week. Do tune in next week. I will put links in the show notes of this one to other useful information around expectations. We've got white papers, we've got videos, um, and there is also a training course which will be available for line managers, which covers a range of the skills covered um, in this ebook, and you can download the ebook. If you want to go to any of the links, you can just go to hruprising.com or you can go to actus.co.uk and you should be able to access them there. Please do get in touch with me if you found this useful or if you'd like us to do more beyond this series for line managers. As I say, this is just a little eight block bonus series to celebrate hitting my 75th episode of the HR Uprising and in recognition of the fact there are actually loads of line managers out there who may not be HR but can get lots of value from this content. So I hope it was useful to you and have a great week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising, proudly brought to you by Actus Software, the joined up performance and talent management solution. You can access links to any of the information or resources mentioned in the show via the podcast page at www.hruprising.com. If you like what we do, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and leave a review. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising. 